Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. This week, I'm going to be speaking with Margot Corey, the uh, creator, co-founder, CEO of one of the world's most popular organic, natural, cruelty-free and vegan deodorant companies based out of Canada uh, called Impact Veganics. Uh, Co-founded by uh, activists, uh, the the idea behind uh, Impact is really to kind of, I suppose, uh, create a positive uh, example for so many other businesses around the world. From everything from their packaging to their their ethical practices, their testing uh, or lack of testing on uh, on animals, um, through to uh, where their profits go, uh, everything about impact is thought about from the mindset of uh, an activist, which certainly uh, Margot is. So, without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Margot Corey, the co-founder and CEO of Impact Veganics. Um, well, my story is not extremely unique, but 10 years ago, I went vegan after watching a dear friend's documentary called Earthlings. And, um, of course, to me, after you watch Earthlings and don't go vegan, I don't know, you know, I couldn't sleep with myself. So we just, it was sort of a, a decision overnight for me. It was like, I can't continue doing this to, uh, to other sentient beings. And, and, and there it was my partner, did not go vegan at the time. So it was about, uh, he went vegan about four years after me. So, so it was an interesting time. And, uh, for me, of course, it is about the animals first. And luckily for us, the health benefits have been amazing. And then you learn about the environmental, um, the environmental impact and, and, and what, how we're saving the earth as well. So it's been, it's been such a blessing. And did you, you know, was this a pretty quick trans transformation for you? Was it like watch the documentary and that's it? We have to change our lifestyle. Yeah, that's that was the decision. I was there in my heart, you know, when you're there first and in, in here mm. and then in your mind. But of course, there were some things that I had no idea what I was doing. Ten years ago was very different from how it is today, where there are so many options. And I felt we were in uh, a province called New Brunswick in Canada. And other vegans were non, almost non-existent. So it was sort of, I had to find my tribe or my friends um, online in terms of the support system that I needed to do this. Um, I thought it was, I did think it was such a, a huge difference because, you know, growing up eating all of the stuff, eating animal products, and um, it was super normalized in our family, of course. Um, then I realized really quickly that... Um, Especially after I started having children, Jim, I realized that <clears throat> we inherently, when we're born and when we grow up and children, we know, we actually inherently know mm. um, that we it's something we shouldn't do is eat our animal brothers and sisters. So that was sort of an awakening for me. But to answer your question more directly, in my heart and mind, it was definitely overnight, but I, I it was, you know, I was still having dairy and some things. And of course, um, 
our neighbors had chickens and things like that. So we were eating the eggs and then it was a, you know, it was like over a year, a, a year transition. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you know, 10 years ago, the world being pretty different in the world of veganism, yeah. certainly in terms of options and availability and, and so on. mainstream awareness just wasn't, you know, anywhere near where we're lucky enough to have it right now. And um, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, the, the culture in which you were sort of becoming vegan in, you know, in, in New Brunswick, in, in you know, uh, in Canada and so on. It, it was, was there many kind of vegans to, to help guide you? Was there a community that, that formed around you or, or did you know many or was it, did you feel a bit of a, a, a lone, a lone wolf sort of thing? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I did not know many at all. I knew one person, a friend uh, of my parents who had been vegetarian for 30 years. We always knew she didn't eat animals. So I remember having a conversation with her. Hey, you know, Vera, I'm, I'm considering I want to do this. And can you just give me some tips? So that's pretty much it. There were no, you know, also understanding we are, um, my heritage is Lebanese. And, you know, in Lebanon, even though there are, there's, there are so many plant-based options. I mean, the whole menu is practically plant-based over the last hundred years. I mean, there's a lot of animal products. Uh, it's, it's very, very normalized. If, if a meal does, does not have meat or a piece of an animal in it, uh, it was not considered a meal. So, <laughs> so, um, but you know, luckily for me, I did, I wasn't active when I first went vegan, but luckily for me, um, I did have a platform, which was, you know, a local business. So people kind of knew about me and they were curious just by what I was doing, not by the sign that I was holding. My father um, at 70 went vegan um, like four years ago wow. after that. So my family, my, my parents are now fully plant-based. And I've also, um, I've had three vegan pregnancies that I love to talk about. And I'm raising my children vegan as well, which... Back home, we're on the West Coast now, but on the East Coast, I remember getting a lot of slack for basically um, people will tell a pregnant woman that she is abusing her in not so many words, but they will tell you that you're abusing your unborn child by not um, not feeding them, you know, they're not getting the nutrients. But luckily, I was very stubborn and I decided to do my own research. And what I discovered was actually the opposite when we were doing the best thing for our children and um allowing them to thrive on a plant-based diet so yeah that's 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 a, a really um an interesting point one that i think you know many many folks who've started families have felt i have personally you know that i remember my uh my partner going to the the, the local gp and, uh, and asking you know we're vegan like you know and and there was an air of um i think you know she was we we both were sort of you know we were convinced it was great for us and so on but what we did you know because the mainstream was telling us it's not good you do start yeah. so you want a bit of reassurance so we i remember we went to the the gp and we got you know short shrift there was no support there it was essentially to your point you you are going to be abusing your child you're not going to be able to feed them so on and so forth you know, from your perspective and going through the the ages as they're growing up, you know, have you found uh, you know, that that knowledge has uh, perhaps become a bit more widespread or, or is those attitudes still pretty cemented? I uh, know there are groups now for parents who are raising their children this way, um, which is uh, which is I mean, we're human beings. We've evolved to be omnivores for sure, but we 
does not mean we can't thrive on a plant-based diet if you go back way early on to our primate brothers and sisters or cousins. But uh, there is more support for parents now. Um, I think we all have it inside of us. We all inherently know as well how to, to, to do things. It's no secret that red meat isn't good or certain animal products aren't good anyway. Doctors know that. And I also looked to, I had a lot of cardiologist friends um, in the movement already, which helped for some reason they were in, uh, cause you know, I was in birth activism as well for women. And then I had a lot of cardiologist friends who, who actually, uh, believe the opposite of what our MD was telling us. Mm. A lot of cardiologists are going vegan based on the research that they absolutely cannot ignore that, you know, ca- causes heart disease. It actually, a plant-based diet reverses all the terrible things that are happening to the world. So, and once I heard my, my dear friend said, you know, the hospitals aren't full of healthy, thriving plant-based eaters. They're full of people who um, are eating animals. And the current state of our world is, is proof enough that, uh, you know, we, there's a change that needs to happen collectively. Yeah, well, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, on the note, you know, we're talking about this decade long journey and particularly oh. I'm interested in your, your view from, like you say, uh, coming up against or, or going along with kind of cardiologists being aware of these folks who are, who are making this switch um, for health reasons. D- oh. Does the rise in vegan junk food and, and these kind of replacement options, where do you see it? Do you see it as, a, you know, a fantastic thing that helps people bring them into the movement? Or do you think there are some potential dangers if people's first taste of veganism is that month-long period in Veganuary where they're sold all these wonderful products, which are great, but yeah. you know, potentially don't give you all the health benefits of whole food plant-based? Yeah, that's such a great question because that's a, a topic of debate right now within the vegan community itself. And my views are the transition is not easy for a lot of people. They need the, you know, they, they consider certain foods comforting or comfort foods. And I think it's a great stepping stone, to be honest. I think it's an amazing way. Uh, it is better than eating animal products. And there's research now coming out on the uh, plant-based burgers that are really popular showing that they are in fact healthier than the animal um, burgers. So, so there is an improvement and there's, it's healthier um, according to some research, a lot of research is coming out, but at the same time, maybe more education on using it as a transition into the plant-based world. And then hopefully I know people that I've talked to who do, uh, three months, they, they, they're like, okay, I'm going to try this whole food plant-based thing now for a month or two or three months. And they get through that three months period and their palate changes. And what happens is we taste the real food because that other stuff is really not real food. It's the sodium and, and what, what makes it taste good is all the additives, but the real delicious plants, um, are our bodies that, that actually our bodies need. Once that palate has changed, I think for me anyway, personally speaking, going back to the, um, the processed vegan food is not easy. I, you know, if I try right now, some, it just won't be delicious. It will be really, really strong and and salty. So, so understanding that I love the idea of, uh, someone who had steak every single day transitioning to a plant-based option. It saves the animals, it saves earth, et cetera. Uh, but the edgy, but maybe, you know, the transition could be 
then they go even further and discover that a whole foods plant-based diet is key. And not only that, I think we owe it to the animals and to all the victims, including humans who were taking the food when we feed cows or when we feed livestock, animals were taking food directly from humans' mouths. So there's two victims, actually. There's the humans of the world, and then there are the animals. We owe it to the victims to be healthy ourselves because, um, number one, if we're healthy ourselves, we prove that, that this is the way it should be. You know, we're not ending up sick, which could happen for vegans as well if they're not healthy. And the second thing behind that is inherently when we as humans look at other humans, we say we either want to be like them or, or not. And if someone is sick, still vegan, but kind of, you know, not doing well health wise, it's not going to be a good advertising or we're not a good window into the movement. But if we keep our health alive, and I'm not talking always looks, but, you know, there's a skin, like the way we look, if we're vibrant, if we're healthy, if we're happy, um, people will want to be like us more. <laughs> That's how I see it. And it yeah. has been a controversial topic in the past. But I think if we're thriving, healthy vegans, it's better for the animals. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the dropout rate then off the back of a veganuary or, you know, any period of time where folks are trying at least a diet, you know, before they get to, because that's another thing I think is, is interesting, you know, about veganuary. It probably, we focus a lot on the food and not right. necessarily on the, the ethical side, the, <laughs> that's you know, true. the actual causes in, in involved, what we're trying to do, the victims, you know. Unfortunately, the word vegan is now associated with diet where, I mean, you and I probably know, I mean, where it's pretty obvious that the diet is just an extension of a vegan lifestyle. And for me, veganism is not harming the earth. You know, that's why I make sure that what I do in my life, my company, for instance, is 100% biodegradable, no plastic, because that's what veganism is to me. It's plastic is killing animals, literally, and they ingest it and it comes back into us. So so my vegan journey, not that I'm a purist or an extremist in any way, I really believe that there is a journey and, and for everybody, but it's far beyond a diet. I, I, The whole movement or the month of veganism is pretty important because it's not realistic to think everyone's going to think like us right away. Yeah. And so I think it's all good. To be honest, Every everything towards this lifestyle is, is good. I, um, I totally agree. Totally agree. And I think yeah. the, 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 I think it's sort of incumbent upon us even more so actually as, as you know, big companies kind of monetize the different vegan options throughout this, you know, this period of time when we've got lots yeah. of eyeballs on the community, if you like, I think it's kind of incumbent upon all of us to have these conversations, you know, out loud with, with those mm -hmm. folks and, you know, help people understand the different aspects and um, yeah, I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I do want to mention too that the health benefit for us, so we started with the animals and um, people come at this with all, there's a trifecta of issues, the health, the health benefits, the animals, and then the earth. And so um, my partner, my husband was, was, uh, had some major health issues. And so mm -hmm. he's, he's free and clear of those now because he's on a whole, whole food plant base. When people look at that and say, this is a very anecdotal uh story that you have here but it's not uncommon is it we hear it often hear it um, veganism isn't the cure-all for everything but uh, my own father had um he had diabetes and he also had um eye issues and he told he's very he's 
he is more, uh, he's, how can I say, more stubborn or actually <laughs> more of an extreme than I am in terms of, no, he will right. not, and he won't, uh, you know, family dinners are out the window now because he won't attend them because someone has an animal, you know, sitting wow. next to him eating an animal. So he's, I love him for that and he's amazing, but he's, because re- he's so passionate about it and he cares about people too. So when you've re- reversed your own health issues through this, that's a huge incentive to keep going as well. Um, doesn't always have to start with the animals because let's face it, I do have friends in my life that still to this day don't, you know, it's not motivating for them to watch a Dominion or an Earthlings. For some reason, yeah. that's where they're at. It's just not motivating and they're not making the connection. But if they're, they have a crisis, a health crisis in their life that it, a plant-based diet can help, that's huge. Um, and the environmentalists out there that are like Greta and, you know, George Monbiot and all these people that um, are adopting a plant-based lifestyle, they can't, they can, I mean, how can you call yourself an environmentalist or be for the climate if you're not adopting a plant-based diet? It's the leading cause officially of almost everything, you know, forest destruction yeah. um, and the whole climate disaster. In fact, it hinges on what is going to happen with animal agriculture on a, on a grand scale. That's why I love the farms that are trans, transforming and, and yeah. re- reforming as well. I love that movement because it's affecting change. The whole food system needs to change. And that's a really beautiful level instead of direct activism, one-on-one, hey, go vegan. When a whole farm changes or a whole restaurant or subsidies eventually change, I think this is, is going to be a major um, thing for our movement. And if we can get that right, if we can join forces, unify, and make sure that that happens, that's going to make the biggest dent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. On the note of activism, actually, and and you know, with your experience over the last decade, I'd I'd love to get your view on, you know, what you've found to be effective in the world of activism. Now, I appreciate that is a far ranging, <laughs> many and varied question to throw at you, but but I would love to get your your take on it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for asking that. I think it's such an important piece. It's one thing to go vegan ourselves. It's another thing to start speaking up for what's happening, no matter what people say, even if we we all get hit by the same thing. Hey, what's your agenda? Why are you forcing me to do this and this and that? You know, um, deep down, people say things out of guilt as well. So it's really important to keep going and to make sure that I think it's good to shine a light on our lifestyle as well. We're creating a vegan village, by the way. We just bought some land and some vegans are getting together and we're creating this beautiful thing. That's going to be a great stepping stone and people are going to be beautifully curious about it. But there's all forms of activism. I, I, I started the first Cube of Truth in our area in New Brunswick. We were the very first ones and we were organizing there and it opened my eyes to everything. It was such a beautiful experience now, I don't do that anymore. I have a company to run and three children um, <laughs> under the age of nine that are homeschooled. So I, I don't do the boots on the ground. And, and um, although our, t- our nine-year-old uh, is an amazing activist and he encourages us, he makes the signs, encourages us to go out to every single protest, which I love. We were just at a turkey protest uh, two, three months ago. And so there's that. To me, the work, I have done some work in the the farm transformation movement. I'm working with this lovely person who's helping a farm called the Barrett family farm in Wicks, Arkansas. And the Barretts are their dear friends and their story, Jim is unbelievable. They're the purest, like they've been doing it. It's generational. They've been doing it for years and years. 
They had dairy cows. They had um, chickens, you know, owned by Tyson. They were basically owned by Tyson. And yeah, so they went vegan three years ago and they were the most miserable in their life. Still, still breaking chickens necks, still killing, still doing vegan. Imagine vegan themselves because they were almost stuck in this. It was their livelihood. And we have to feel for the farmers as well. I know vegans don't like when I say this, but we have to actually feel for what a human is going through as well. Otherwise, we're going to put up a big barrier and everyone's going to hate us. So um, the world at large looks at farmers as the salt of the earth. They're feeding America. They're feeding the world. Do you know what I mean? So they're the people, the families, the farming families, even though you and I know farming isn't at all like the idyllic, beautiful thing we used to know. But so these people have gone vegan and now they gave up their, they couldn't keep their chickens because Tyson, big companies like that for an animal, it's just a commodity. It's a number. And then what they took all the chickens back. So they have these empty poultry things and I'll keep this part of the story short, but it's very important to realize how this, this is, I mean, this is my favorite form of activism. Um, and they kept, they decided they, to keep all 250 cows and the babies, because they were dairy, like the babies that were being born, they kept them too. So now this family, it's a lot of pressure. You know, they, they have to yeah. feed all of these individuals on their farm, 250 cows wow. and like 16 goats. They're responsible for all of this beauty. beauty. And now they're learning ways that <clears throat> they can keep them grazing. And it's good, you know, um, more helpful than what they were doing. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so my, I'm really involved in learning their story, helping them. And my partner actually, Jerry is, is she's so wonderful. She's like learning how to, um, they're, they're, they're 80% there in their mushroom farms. They're like, they're bringing in mushrooms and they're going to sell mushrooms instead. And they couldn't be happier doing this. It's such, such a beautiful thing when an awakening happens on the farming level. That is, and, and real change, you know, the, the number of lives that are, are, will not be negatively impacted by that farm, yeah. you know, going forward. Amazing. Those beings are saved. And now we can tell their story so that other farmers look and say, wow, there is a way out because most farmers that I've talked to um, don't honestly, they pretend that they love it and that they, it's not easy work and it's dirty. And who wants to kill the rest of who wants to really, who wants to kill Mm. forever? (laughs) Maybe some people, but they, if they, if we give them a way out, where they can save land, save water, and also be more profitable doing something else, they're going to be very interested and take it. So that's a really good thing that's happening right now. There's a lot of good people working in that in that movement. Are there, um, I was going to ask, are there, there kind of organizations to support that that you're aware of? Because I know in the UK, like uh, the Vegan Society has been really active in that space. And, and yeah. be interested, you know, is, is there versions of or similar organizations that replicate that over there yeah well jerry Devereaux herself is working on this foundation that's going to ensure it's like a plan that will ensure that if a farm wants to change to a sanctuary that they have a financial plan so that it's not all funded by donations because that's not realistic if we're just 100 percent funded by donations for a farm so she's working on that plan that's in a beautiful connection then there's mercy for animals that i'm sure you've heard of here Um, and they're doing amazing work in this area. Leah Gar says is um, like they they're also working with a poultry farmer. And if you look up what they're doing, it's farm transformation. Uh, oh. And yeah, so beautiful. There's things happening. 
to me, unification will be key, um, unifying all our research and, and everything coming together. Uh, but as we know, there are humans involved. So when human, you know, sometimes it's hard to, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying, to, to unify and make sure we all work together. I think that's going to be a key for the future. I think you're yeah, 100% right in the insofar as I think there are, you know, voices within the community that can sometimes demonize uh, farmers. Uh, and and I, I do sometimes think, you know, it's not potentially helpful uh, in terms of helping people get out of that way of life and offering that kind of olive branch. And um, so it's, it's really great to hear that that kind of work is is yeah. being being done. Like I say, I was aware of a couple over here in the UK that 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 yeah. that, that, that farms have, have have switched. So it's awesome to hear about that. You know, it's, yeah. it's going on around the yeah. world. It's lovely. It's absolutely lovely. And it's good to support and um, recognize that they are also victims of a system that is messed up. The whole food system mm. is upside down and backwards. And it's very obvious in the state of our world that we, the food system, like we weren't meant to, um, to, to do this agriculture, this, how it's become. And um, veganic, you know, plant-based veganic agriculture is the absolute way forward for regeneration, uh, food forests and all that. Actually, there is a group called climate healers. I, Dr. Silas Rao is a friend. He's, I don't know if you've heard of him, but Dr. Rao is someone to look up and he's amazing. He's like a systems engineer, one of the creators of the internet actually. And he created this, this, this company called climate healers and they're hoping for a vegan world in 2026. Um, wow. Yeah. So they're really making plans and, and working in this movement as well. And he put out a white paper that shows that all past numbers, for instance, the FAO, uh, uh, had numbers on animal agriculture's effects on our earth. And so, Dr. Rao put out this white paper that proves all of those numbers have been grossly underestimated. And in fact, wow. animal agriculture's effect on our world is far greater than we ever, ever thought. The greenhouse gases and, and what's coming out of agriculture and fossil fuels and everything that, that farms are consuming is pretty disgusting and atrocious and needs to stop. So... He's awesome. He sounds it. I'm going to have to look him up. You're giving me yeah, some homework. I'll send you a link after. <laughs> Love it, Margot. Love it. So it'd be, yeah. it'd be good to understand a little bit about your your business. You mentioned there that you you know you, when you became vegan, you had this sort of platform in the the, the business world, if you like, that sort of helped you with uh, you know yeah. amplifying your voice and so on. It'd be good to understand a little bit about your journey there. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. I my parents were entrepreneurs. I grew up in that area. I quickly realized what kind of business I do want to be part of and what I don't want to be part of. Business as usual in our world is not working. Corporations are literally, I mean, they've killed our earth, most of them. They also have the power. If they've they've done this to the earth, imagine the huge like I'm talking Amazon level. Um, if they change their processes and their um, supply chains, they have the power to reverse and help the earth as well to that scale. So we're, we're a very, um, so I started, you know, I was doing real estate. We had a juice bar in, in New Brunswick that we started and sold when we went plant-based. We're like, we have to do something. That was a form of awareness. And, but now, um, throughout this whole thing, I've had a deodorant company. That's, it was not, uh, it was just business as usual selling deodorant. But just a year and a half ago, Jim, I decided to to make sure my activism fits in there. So we've developed a beautiful model where we give um, our profits. We partner with animal rights organizations 
who desperately need it. My first one was Nation Earth because I went vegan because of Earthlings, you know. So Sean has become a friend and I'm like, okay, we need to try to support there. So first campaign was with him and it's evergreen. It's ongoing. Um, the Barrett Family Farm as well. So what we do is we launch. So we have our own website and um, we sell our vegan ethical deodorant from that website. But then we also launch pages for animal rights organizations. And through those pages, any sales that come through, they're given all the profits. So we're basically 100% of profits after, com- you know, after company expenses goes to them. And I'm really, really thrilled with how it's going because <clears throat> I'm finally able to merge my heart's activism with the business. Um, and also, I mean, the product is, well, you probably see it back here, but it's like, it's totally biodegradable, you know? So it's like you throw it in the earth. And I think all vegan companies especially should look to this type of packaging um, and this, this business model as well. But the packaging is unreal because it just, it disappears and there's just too much plastic on our earth. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing stuff. So, have you, have you had many other businesses kind of follow suit as a result, or get in touch and sort of, you know, where where are you getting this uh, this kind of packaging? You know, what's the methodology, yeah. so on and so forth. I encourage everyone to for sure reach out and ask us our packaging. I'll have to tell you our journey because first of all, um, it's been fourteen iterations of the product because it's shocking how many ingredients are t- violently tested on an animal violently. Mm. Like this really, if you don't know that laboratory, you know, animal testing space, um, if you go down that rabbit hole, right, it's just a vicious thing that I can't believe collectively so many people are okay with it. That's, so we didn't want any part of that. So I say that because our, our product after all these years is now, there's not one area of our supply chain that's been tested or that is tested on an animal ever. Um, and that was not, as easy as you'd think (laughs) to achieve. And so we're so proud of it because while our packaging and also it's plant-based inks as well, like this is our box in stores that says this deodorant saves animals and we're pretty polarizing. We're pretty vocal. When people pick this up, they say it says cruelty-free vegan and this, this deodorant saves animals 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which some products, I encourage all companies to look into that too, because you could have, a finished product that's vegan, but not necessarily cruelty free. It's like mind boggling. So anyway, all that to say like, um, and the plant-based inks are very important because if you're throwing something in your soil, you want to make sure it's not toxic to, to the soil. So every aspect has been, you know, a work of blood, sweat and tears, work in progress, but it's finally finished now. And so I'm happy, very, very happy to give other companies the information on where we get things. I think it's better for the world if we all grow. And yes, to answer your question, people have reached out about um, when we were on Jane Unchained, for instance, like they reached out about, hey, this model, this would be good for our organization. We look at, we're very, very specific and strategic with whom we partner because we want to make sure for now it has the most impact on the world. So Sea Shepherd, for instance, will be our next one because we love their work. We think they're doing an Mm. unbelievable job. Obviously they're amazing. And so um, we're, and, and it's working that we're this polarizing. It's working because I think, and I've said this before, customers of today, no matter what the product is, whether it's Patagonia jacket or something, you know, they're really ready for a company a for-profit company to finally stand on the side of justice. And I think that's where consumer dollars want to go. 
you know, it's not always about the food they're eating. That's a very difficult chain. Yeah. If they can buy a vegan product that saves animals, they, go, they will over any other product on the shelf. So we're very happy. Yeah, do, do you think there's a fair amount of education to be done in the sort of general population around, particularly in the beauty and cosmetic space? Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned there the distinction between vegan and cruelty-free. Uh, you mentioned the, you know, the incredibly laborious process of getting a product to not be, you know, animal tested because it's just so the norm. Um, Do you think there is a a, a huge education piece there for the general population about what it is that they're buying in that space? Absolutely. And it's a really tough one because it takes the marketing dollars to be able to educate the public on this. And so much is hidden, Jim. So much is still white, white water, greenwashed and hidden. You know, people can slap. Honestly, we have, we're PETA certified as well. But no, I love PETA, no offense to them, but it was a very easy certification to get. And I think it needs to be more stringent. Um, I think companies need to be held accountable because look, we can, you and I can vote with our dollars and go into a store and buy an ethical product, but it's up to companies as well. I feel it's our responsibility to only provide ethical products. So the consumer doesn't have to choose. Like it's just so silly that, you know, it's up to corporations to finally say, you know what? Why am I offering dairy, for instance? I every like everyone knows oat milk is better and for the earth, and it's not. It's actually going to improve sales. It's been proven. Cafes that have changed to only plant based, they improve sales. People are very vegan curious, and also it tastes the same. You know, so so I think yeah, I think you're right. The education piece needs to be there because people, if you ask anyone, if you say hey, like if you want if you show them an image of the poor beagle right next door, right in Montreal at the labs here and say, do you want to contribute to this? What's happening here? The poor thing, or do you want to contribute to this, which is free and clear of any bloodshed? (laughs) Um, What do you think they're going to choose? The consumer doesn't want this one, right? They want that one. We're, we're not, it's, it's really sad what's happening. So it's up to, it's up to corporations to make that effort. And also our demand will change how, how animals are tested. If we stand up and say, I, I really, we, we're not going to do, we want this packaging as hard as it is. We want this packaging to be this way and not that way. That's what the company will provide. And I imagine, you know, it's a real point of leadership in, in, in the space from, you know, you, yourself and, and, the, and your business. Cause I'd imagine it's just so much easier, probably cheaper, better on the bottom line for businesses not to do this. It's really awful. It is cheaper. The plastic, okay, that we see on the shelves most often is quite a bit cheaper. It's um, We've absorbed a lot of the cost based on our ethics, but I understand that a lot of companies will not do that. They will choose the cheaper one. But if I can talk to those companies directly and say, I promise you that if we hold on for the next couple of years and keep doing this way, it will get better. The, these I've seen over 10 years, a lot of things get much cheaper because- mm-hmm. You know, it's no secret now that biodegradable is better. Most companies are offering um, something that's more eco or saying that it's more eco. Like uh, the term recycled means nothing to me. But when customers see that, it's like, oh, I want to choose this one. You know, things Mm -hmm. will get cheaper. Things will get better for now um, as it is. It is, you know, I want to support companies like ours. I want to support companies that are doing this because when we support Vegan activist owned companies, we know the money is going towards good and not evil. When we support cruel, uh, biodegradable companies, anyone out there, 
we're taking a stand in our, we're simply making a buying decision, but we're taking a stand for justice and for what should happen on this earth. And it will, it's a ripple effect. It will happen very quickly if we all just start, you know, start being more conscious. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. The, the conscious purchase uh, pur- purchase decisions are the are the key for all of us. You know, we as as vegans, we take so much time and care in our food, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully that extends you know beyond that, beyond dietary veganism to to yeah. looking at every aspect. But uh, I, I do think that sort of convenience has won out in the general population, and we do have to kind of re re educate yeah. that space. Things are getting more convenient on, on our side, though, on the eco side. It's it's happening. Yeah. I see it. And we, we're in it, so we see it more. Um, plastic, the invention of plastic in and of itself was so convenient. The plastic wrap, it saved our food and this and that. And um, now with COVID, unfortunately, all the masks and we've seen pictures of the beaches and, you know, it's, it's, it's increased that a bit. But knowing that our diets and what we're eating has a greater effect on any plastic we could ever save is, is, is enough to make us go vegan. And if it feels really good. In fact, we could drive all the Hummers in the world. We could drive a Hummer for the rest of our life. But if we go to a plant-based diet, it's been proven that that's better for the earth. Um, and there's research out there and Dr. Rao has started a lot of that, but you know, we can feel good in our diet change and then yes, change other aspects of our life. For instance, palm oil, vegans do consume a lot of palm oil and it's a struggle because we can't, people say to me, Oh God, I'm doing enough and I can't do it all and everything, but it's either sleep well at night for me or not sleep well at night. And if I'm purchasing palm oil, I know that's not sustainable. I know that the orangutans in the forest aren't going to have a home. And so, um, this world is upside down and backwards, but the hope is that people like us shine a light on what's happening and knowing myself, how a mind of an entrepreneur and a corporation works, they follow the money. They follow the dollar. What's happened to Beyond Meat? A a restaurant introduces Beyond Meat product and they're like, wow, everyone's lining at the door to try this thing. And so I know how entrepreneurs or company owners work. And if we can prove to them that one is more popular than the other, sadly, even if that's what it takes, let's do it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, why why not? (laughs) Almost, you know. (laughs) <laughs> uh, do, do you think you know going back to the point that we talked about um earlier around um consumer education and so on and companies being so good at greenwashing using terms that they know people won't understand on ingredients lists and things like this do you think there is legislative change through sort of pressure from companies like yourself through activists in the community um to yeah to make sure that those laws kind of are transparent or, or at least the labeling and so on is transparent for people. Do you think that's kind of a key component of this too? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We have a great power as I see our, we are a very small company in, in the grand scheme of things. We're not a Tesla or whatever, or a, you know, Patagonia, we're doing our bit and it's growing, but if other companies can follow suit and demand for certain things um, when we're, when I was an activist and in the street, it's, it's a really, I, I have to mention this. It's sort of a sad thing that when you're talking on the, um, political level, you know, I'm talking to MLAs and, uh, there is an, an unspoken truth where they will not take me as seriously as if, uh, until I mention I'm a CEO or a company owner, that's when they pipe up, you know, um, mm. politicians listen. It's like, 
Hey, you know, okay. So she's, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. And I wish it didn't exist because there's a lot of lovely, amazing activists that are better than, than I, and that can do a lot, a lot, you know, speak a lot better to legislator, um, be a politician, mm-hmm. but I'm using my position as a company owner and I'm encouraged. Now I have a, a collect We're we're also, we're launching this course that we're helping. We're also guiding other vegans to create businesses like ours, which is so important. And so we're, going to create a collective of company owners and founders that when we do launch a petition or we go to the, the, the steps of our parliament that we have so much uh, credibility and power. Same reason when physicians do it, physicians committee, Dr. Barnard, when he does, when he speaks up and puts something out um, at the level that we want it to, to be at like this, this is, to make systemic change. I think it's going to take more than a, a common activist. It's going to take um, companies and physicians and lawyers and everyone all at once collectively demanding something. The topic of subsidies is a really powerful one for me. I love it so much because our tax dollars are still going to what we absolutely don't believe in. Well, the opposite of what we believe they're going to, it's going to torture and it's going to dairy. The dairy industry would be completely finished here. If, if um, you know, if it wasn't subsidized, and then you see images of the milk being poured out and because the demand simply isn't there. It's like heartbreaking that need that there are groups doing it and they're incredible um, in the United States. And there's one called nation rising here that I've just started talking to, but I think more people need to be behind them and demand this change to happen. So I think even more honestly, like, yes, I have this company, but this is my gateway to more activism um, because changing a packaging does have an effect but eliminating the dairy industry—that's <laughs> that's freaking that's huge. On, on the note of of um, awareness of things like that, you know, where are our, our tax dollars, pounds in our case, where they're going and what they're subsidising? Because I think that that's that example that you gave there of the dairy industry being subsidised is is happening across across the globe. I know in the UK, yeah. it's exactly the same thing. The dairy industry is completely propped up uh, yeah. by 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 taxpayers money. And I, I asked this question in terms of like, um, your, what your view is on, I'd call it sort of social media veganism. If you like, there's so many, uh, folks out there dabbling in the world of veganism who I, I, I fear sometimes, and I don't want to, you know, sound too, um, judgmental in any way. Cause it, you know, I do think everyone's on a journey here, but you know, when you, you, you go onto a social media site, there is a sense of I've I'm I eat vegan I eat the Beyond Meat Burger so I've kind of completed it yeah. and uh, you know sort of that I'm you know I don't necessarily need to be more aware or more active or or so on and so forth. do you think this is a potential danger almost that vegan not just for the animals for the environment and for our health it sort of almost becomes vegan for the lifestyle for the for the for the likes if you like sort of becomes this fourth thing I agree. I agree. And, um, here's the thing. There'll always be human ego, right. In, in, in play everywhere we go and, and likes are, it's like an adrenaline rush for a lot of people and things like that. But if we can all remember the actual victim and take ourselves completely out of the picture, this is a justice, social justice movement where the people who are, who are shining a light on it aren't actually the victims. Right. And, and it's very different from past social justice movements in my opinion, but, you know, there's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I know where you're going with that. Um, I mean, 
it is what it is. And we can't change all people do activism, but if we shine a light on, you know, the things that are going to make the real change, all that will be fine. All that will be okay that it exists. The the lifestyle stuff, the influencers, you know, actually everyone does have a place because a vegan influencer can share something and it will like, you know, or a celebrity right can share something, even though most of them are, (laughs) I don't know if they're vegan or plant-based. I have no clue, but you know, they share something and it does go viral and we can use that. And yeah, I think an animal saved here or an animal saved in India is the same. It's amazing. Um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, but I'm, I'm, I love this discussion by the way. I, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I haven't settled on a, on a, on a view on it. Yeah. To be quite, I, it does, to, I, I, I kind of, uh, I, I think that's why I ask, I asked this question because I'm sort of wrestling with it myself. It's yeah. on one hand, it's you know the more exposure, the more eyeballs on the on the on the yeah. discussion, the better. Um, yeah. On the other hand, you can sort of say, you know, are, are we are we concerned with the victims here? Yeah. Are, you know, and and so I do I do go back and forth with it. Um, but I think you know, like like you said, all we can do is is keep shining a light on the issues, um, making a noise where we can, impacting change where we can, and um, you know, being conscious in everything we do. You know, I think that's all we can do. Exactly, and I'm still confident. Many of us who think like this can unify in one cause. I mm. think, yeah, I mean, you can edit this part out if you'd like, but I think between you and I. Yeah, the movement is quite segregated and quite separated and quite fragmented. And I don't think that serves the victim or us or anyone else at all. I think that if we can focus more on unifying for the greater good and forget about the petty differences in the drama, that will be um, another key to the success of this movement. Um, And the nonviolent approach, I'm still a huge fan of the whole Mm. nonviolent, strong, credible, professional approach is what the world needs not um i don't know how to say this but not the violence or the screaming or the 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 you know i i understand the 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 the, the anger i was there the anger it, mm-hmm. collect, you know, it's terrible what's happening if we can maintain kind of a professionalism and then move forward and look i i don't know everything right i just know the activists that i've talked to i i actually have a call going on like every month there's this there's a group of us that just get on the phone and we're like okay let's look at you know gandhi let's look at i don't know martin luther king let's just look and see what's happened what happened in the past and their successes because everyday animals are dying and we can't really wait on people's ego (laughs) or drama yeah i don't know what the answer is i just know that if we continue with with power grace and do whatever we can in the limited time that we have on this earth that's all we can really do so yeah, I, I definitely agree with the uh, the idea that there is. I think there is, you know, that there, there is. I, I'm always a fan of discussion and debate and challenge and people being open. Um, but I do think the danger sometimes with the way we communicate now through social media and through 240 characters and so on yeah. is we lose the debate and we sort of just end up polarized uh, rather than the whole movement sort of advancing and growing in its knowledge together, um, which is kind of why I like a podcast over a tweet, you know, because I think you can have a discussion in that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. But I hear, I understand why you go back and forth on it and why it's a big question mark and all that. But uh, 
I mean, gosh, what's happened in 10 years over the 10 years that when I went vegan mm. now, I mean, strides have been taken in many areas and, um, food like plant-based foods on the shelf. I still really love seeing a whole shelf or whatever in our grocery store dedicated to plant-based food. It feels really good. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it feels, it, it feels, it feels like progress. You know, you can argue the two, the, 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 the uh you know the the bits and pieces and the ins and outs of the you know the products and so on like we we talked about earlier but yeah. but ultimately it, you know it's progress it's more to have a discussion about it's more to get into conversation with people mm-hmm. more options you know can't, it can't can't be a bad thing my my final sort of big question and I, and i i did sort of oh, i used to ask this question at the end of every podcast and i kind of dropped it some time ago after a conversation with peter hammerstead which is a uh, from Sea Shepherd, which is yeah. a, a a longer story, but I, I wanted to bring this question back because of the the point that you made earlier. Because I was staggered by that date there of um, twenty twenty six as this you know this goal, and I just want your perspective. How optimistic do you feel about us getting not necessarily by twenty twenty six, but how optimistic do you feel about our eventual kind of movement transitioning to a a, a quote unquote vegan world? Um. Well, my faith in humanity goes up and down (laughs) based on who I talk to. I don't think, to be honest, I mean, it's not realistic to think every single person in the world will be like a vegan. Uh, We don't need them all to be. We need 50% of people on this world or 70% to do 50% better. Like we, you know, imagine if someone uh, only ate animals on Saturday. Honestly, like I'm not, I'm an abolitionist. I'm not a welfareist. And I'm also... um, I'm also so vegan that I don't think, yeah, in my own personal life, it, this won't work. But what I'm saying is people out there, humanity at large, if we can do better, it's going to make a big dent. Um, we're such a minority still. We're such a small, small part of the world. And when I highlight that people on this earth have been living this way, it's not a, veganism isn't a new age thing at all. Veganism has been around, and I mean, since way before, I mean, the, the history of veganism, yeah, I mean, in the 40s, the, the, the term was coined, but um, the biggest, strongest mammals or whatever, primates are plant-based, and the Janes and the Rastafarians, and also the Blue Zone, I mean, if you look at a Blue Zone diet, the Blue Zones of the world, if, if anyone has not he- heard about that, um, please look it up, because they're 100% plant-based. It's actually 95 to 100% plant-based. But the 5% is like, um, I don't know, maybe an egg or something. Not that that is okay. (laughs) But in terms of health, the longest living humans on our earth are plant-based. Like what can that be any more obvious? We care biology and we, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty obvious. Now, the reason that doesn't work sometimes for people is because, you know, we've been abusing our body and there is a period where we need to like heal from the past abuse. I think putting animals in our body is also abusing our body too, because our digestive systems, we have a hard time handling that. Yes, we have evolved to be able to semi-digest that stuff. But so to answer your question directly, yeah, it's a very ambitious goal, but I don't think he means vegan world, everyone in the world by 2022. Our hearts are often there before our actions. Most people who learn this stuff, their hearts go vegan, but then they're not aligning their actions with their values yet. And I think what Silish is doing over there is amazing. The whole idea of ahimsa, right? The whole idea of compassion. What all religions have in common is 
a greater good, compassion, um, beauty. You know, he talks about Jesus and, and things like that, what, wherever our beliefs fall. But um, Jesus as a person or in the vi- in the pictures, you don't see him slaughtering a lamb. You see him, you know, mm-hmm. cuddling a lamb. The man was a compassionate vegan pretty much and so i don't know so it's like he he uh, he says things way more he articulates it better and says it way more eloquently than i ever could however um that is the idea that's the vegan world 2026 is a goal but i think if just half of us did uh, if half of us did 100 percent better i think it would be really good couldn't agree more yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it would be it'd be remiss for us not to not to include where we can find out a little bit more about impact and um, uh, and and follow your journey. So uh, where where would folks go? Uh, the website is createanimpact.org, and all the infos there. Um, it's very obvious that every single person in our company is a vegan activist, and um, <laughs> it's really amazing what's happening though, Jim, because. We, you know, we set, we opened up our company for an investiture in March investment. And now, um, we did have a couple of business people say, oh, you know, this is too polarizing. You're standing too much for animals and it's too niche. Actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. We did get our investment and, um, we're also opening it up for another round because, you know, we're scaling, we're scaling fast. Uh, like I said before, I'm shocked and I had no idea it would be so on trend or so, you know, demand, but um, everyone's looking for a vegan deodorant that actually works, but also the message, my activism is going to be all over our box and all over stores. And do I care if someone puts it down because they're like, oh, I, you know, who doesn't want to support animal welfare, you know, but if someone puts it down and says, oh, like, I don't want to support this. I don't care. <laughs> um, that's what it is. So createanimpact.org. You'll see what we're doing. And I can also give you the links directly to um, Sean's campaign and the Barrett's because I think it's really important that um, we we highlight their support as well. We want to do a lot of good there. And um, yeah, you know, no company needs it all, right? 100%. Well, we'll pop all those links in the show notes so uh, on, on your podcast app so you'll yeah. be able to uh, give them a click. Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so Good much. Margo's- it's been amazing chatting with you uh, and, and all the best with impact It's doing, doing some wonderful things and it's true leadership in the, uh, in the sort of business world, I think. So uh, I hope many companies follow suit. Thank you, Jim and wonderful podcast. I'm, I'm really excited to follow your journey as well. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now.